You're listening to Here for Good, an academic podcast from leading researchers at Avondale College of Higher Education. Welcome to Avondale's Here for Good research series. Today, Professor Stephen Currow, Academic Vice President of Avondale, speaks with Associate Professor Maria Northcote, an experienced higher education teacher, leader, and researcher involved in postgraduate education and professional development. Enjoy today's podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Maria. Pleasure, Steve. I hear you've been involved in a very interesting research project. Would you like to tell us about that project? Sure. It's a project that was called Owning the Rubric, and it involved teachers and students working together at three different higher education institutions to develop marking rubrics, assessment rubrics. And and what's a rubric? That's such a good question. A rubric is like a marking grid. So it's used by teachers and students. Teachers use it for marking and students use it to work out what's expected of them for an assessment task. So if you imagine a matrix or a grid and down the left-hand side of the grid are all the learning stages that we want the students to achieve. And then across the top of the grid are all the achievement levels. And at university, we often, as you know, call them high distinction, distinction, and so on. And then on that grid, the teacher or the lecturer plots the student's achievement, and that's a way of giving feedback to students about their learning. All right, that's a great explanation of a rubric. What was the purpose of the research around this rubric? Yeah, look, there's been a lot of talk about rubrics over the last few years or the last few decades, really. And we know that there are some things that we should do as teachers to help students use rubrics effectively. But there isn't a lot of research out there where students and teachers have worked together to create the rubric. So with the rubric project, we really wanted to involve the students in the very early stages of the assessment design process, because past research has mainly focused on the students' use of rubrics to help them to do the assessment task. So we involved them right at the beginning where the lecturer was creating the rubric. All right. So it almost sounds that uh, you're looking at having the students design the own grid that they're going to be assessed against. Yes, we use the term co-construction. So we got the teachers to work with the students to create that rubric even before the semester started. Okay. Now, what did you find were the advantages of doing that? We found that the students, first of all, were they actually felt honoured to be involved. They told us that they enjoyed the process. They really enjoyed the process of working with their lecturer on a one-to-one or small group basis. And the benefit of it is that it helped the students to really understand what was required of them for their learning in that unit or in that course. It, that sounds a very interesting discovery because uh, I guess students often have just been the receivers of assignments and assessments and uh, this seemed to take it to a different level. It did, and it really changed the way we looked at even the language of the rubric. So, for example, one of the rubrics used the term application, and the students said, we don't really understand that. So we said to the students, what other words should we use when we described what we meant by application? And they said, just use the word use. So there were little things like that that helped us to really understand the student's perspective so that we could modify our language in a way that helped the students understand their learning expectations. That's a very interesting application. Uh, um, I've just used the word. And as you stop and think about it, it's a word that we would use naturally, but it's a word that doesn't necessarily translate quite so easy to the student world. Yes, and they they had the opportunity to tell us these types of things. 
So when we sat down with them and we asked them to have a look at the lecturer's first draft of the rubric, they were quite critical about some areas that they didn't understand or areas that they thought their peers wouldn't understand. So they really helped us to develop the rubric in a way that communicated more directly to the students. Okay, that sounds very, very interesting. Now, obviously, this was a collaborative research project and Avondale was the lead institution. What did Avondale learn from this? What we learned at Avondale is that we understood more fully and more deeply, I think, about what the students were, were how the students were interpreting the rubric. So there were some areas that they were ignoring or overlooking and there were some areas that they were getting quite caught up in and possibly putting more effort into some areas than others. We got a much deeper understanding of the way the students use the rubric for the assessment purpose. I, I guess it comes back to this principle of knowing the end and begin with the end in mind. Yes. So if the student understands the end, it's going to help their learning. Exactly. It was a, a really good example, I think, of backwards design, where as lecturers, we're always thinking about what do we want the students to achieve in this unit or in this course? But in this case, getting the students involved at the beginning to think about where they were going to end up in the unit, it really helped them to focus on, first of all, what should they be doing to achieve these learning milestones? And secondly, what does it look like at the end? What's the product of that unit? So did this help you um, define more what a rubric was? Yes, it did. It really helped us to understand from the student's point of view, but also the lecturer's point of view. And one of the, we had six cohorts of students with their lecturers and students, four at Avondale, one at Charles Sturt University and one at University of Technology, Sydney. And out of those six cohorts, one cohort in particular, they actually designed two rubrics. So they had one for the lecturer for marking and one for the students, which they called, I think they called it an instructional rubric. So that's, a, that's an interesting concept. It is, yeah. And the lecturer in that case, she used that instructional rubric, sorry, the marking rubric to mark their work. But of course, it was very aligned to the instructional rubric, which came became a tool that really communicated the expectations to the students. So I see you've come up with a list of uh, 37 characteristics. We have of uh, a rubric. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Look, we had about 25 rubric and assessment experts in Australia and overseas, and we consulted them at the very beginning of the project. And in research terms, that was called a Delphi approach. So we consulted all of these people after we had done a literature review. So from the literature review, we found out what experts were saying about rubrics, and we identified, I think it was about 70 or 80 effective rubric characteristics. And through the Delphi method, we went through about three rounds of consultation with our experts, and we ended up with a filtered down version of 37 effective rubric characteristics. So behind a simple marking guide, you have these incredible principles. Yes. So they came from experts and from the literature. And then throughout the project, as we collected data from the students and the lecturers, we then, I suppose, deepened our understanding of what those effective rubric characteristics look like in practice. You're listening to Here for Good, a podcast from leading researchers at Avondale College. Now, at Avondale, and I'm sure this would be true for Charles Sturt and for University of Technology in Sydney, there's always that semester evaluation of learning and teaching. Have you noticed any impact from the application of this process? Yes, I don't know. I, I can't actually say whether it's come through in the evaluations, the end of semester evaluations, because we didn't, that wasn't part of our data collection. 
But in terms of how it impacted the students' perceptions of learning and perceptions of their lecturers, they really deepened their understanding of the whole assessment process. And they're actually quite surprised at how much work goes into a rubric. And they said to us at one stage of the project, did you know that our lecturers put a lot of work into each of these rubrics? And did you know they have to do a rubric for every assessment task? And thirdly, did you know that they have to do this for more than one unit per semester? So that it really gave the students, I think, an insight into the lecturer's work. Now, that would be especially valuable for your education students because you're actually modelling with them the processes you will expect them to do as graduates. Exactly. And they really saw, I think, the immediate application or use, to use the student's word. Um, And one of the things that we found that didn't come through from the expert voice, from the literature review and the Delphi method, when we consulted our experts, was that the students really didn't like a rubric that started with a low achievement level. So in practice, that means for us, and we've implemented this across Avondale and in the by the lecturer at CSU and UTS, is that they say they said to us, why would we start with a low expectation? So we have instead of starting with the achievement levels being ordered from fail through to high distinction, we swap that completely because they said to us they're aiming for a high distinction not a fail. Well, that's actually a very interesting observation. And the students themselves were saying, we actually want to know what good practice is rather than just the the bare minimum. They did. And one of the things they really appreciated, in addition to reading a more direct rubric, so a a rubric with more direct language, is that they really appreciated the time spent with their lecturer. And that was, I suppose, an unexpected outcome of the project Uh, Many of the groups of students that we spoke to out of those six cohorts that I mentioned, one of the things that they said over and over was that the, um, the time they spent with their lecturer, getting to know their lecturer, getting to understand where their lecturer was coming from, and even their lecturer's personality they really enjoyed that. Their eyes lit up when they were talking about it in the interviews. Well, that also is a very interesting finding. And I guess it's understandable because it's that relationship where a lot of learning will take place. Yes. Yes, that's for sure. So where can we find out more about this sort of research, Maria? Yes, look, we have a number of publications, as you can imagine. We're aiming for eight altogether. Two of those have been published. One has is in press at the moment and the others are either under review or we're still writing them. But rather than me go and list them all, probably the best place to go is our website because we're updating that regularly as new publications come through. We've also done some workshops at um, the at Charles Sturt University. In fact, one of them took place yesterday at University of Technology Sydney earlier in the year and we have one planned for Avondale in June and we're presenting at the Herds of Conference in New Zealand in July, running a workshop over there for the higher education sector. But I'll give you the website address of the website. The website is has the same name as the whole project. It's called Owning the Rubric. You should be able to access it just by typing into Google Avondale Assessment and the term Owning the Rubric. But I'll just read out the URL. It's not a very long one. So if you go to assessment.avondale.edu.au forward slash rubrics, you'll get directly to our website. So when you get to the website, Steve, there are three levels in the website. The firstly, there is some background information and information about how to set up a co-construction process. And then we have all of the processes and the resources that we used. 
So, for example, we had protocols that the lecturers used to help students understand how the co-construction process happened. So people who access the website can take those instructions and make them their own, modify them to their own institutions. And the last part of the website we've called Sharing Scholarship, and that includes all of our research, our outcomes and our publications. Thank you so much. It sounds like that's a place that all teachers should go to. Yes, and we're continually updating it. The fact that it's getting such wide recognition, including this uh, conference in New Zealand, is saying this is a very valuable piece of research. Yes, yes. You, um, look, many listeners would have heard, heard of David Bowd, an Australian academic who has been pushing the student in, engagement factor in higher education assessment for many years. And in a way, this project was us responding to that call to really engage students a lot more in assessment and not just in the assessment process of doing the assessment and getting their feedback, but involving them right at the beginning of the process. Well, Maria, I'd like to thank you for this research that you've been doing collaboratively with these colleagues. And I'd like to thank you for your contribution to Avondale in this research space especially. Thank you, Steve. Look, we, we really would like to thank the institution here at Avondale, also CSU and UTS and the Office for Learning and Teaching, which is now being, or this project is now being managed by the Department of Education. So the staff in those areas were very supportive of this. And I'd also like to thank my co-researchers because they obviously did a lot of the, all of the work in this project. So Steve, we had a fantastic team, an interdisciplinary team. And when the project started, Tony Williams was the lead of the project. And in the second part of the project, I was the lead. And we also had Peter Kilgour and Bev Christian at Avondale from Education, Jason Morton from Science, Carolyn Rickett from Arts and Humanities, Wendy Jackson from Theology, and Jack Seddon was our project manager across the whole project. And at the University of Technology, we had Sue Joseph in creative writing and Andrew Kilgour at Charles Sturt University from medical radiation science. So they were a great team of people with many different skills. In addition to the team members, we had a group of assessment and rubric experts. There were 25 across the world. I won't go through all of their names. But we also had a very valuable external advisory group, including Professor Geoffrey Crisp from RMIT and Professor Denise Chalmers at UWA and also Associate Professor David Bolton was involved in the early stages. He is from Westchester University in Pennsylvania. And we also had a rubric user group. So we had two practising teachers from the non-university sector, Carmel Rowenfeld and Karen Stanton, and we had a very valuable person helping us to externally evaluate the project, and that was Professor Kerry Lee Kraus from La Trobe. So you can see there was a cast of thousands, so to speak. Thank you so much for your work. Thank you, Steve. You've been listening to another Here for Good podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Advancement of the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning at Avondale College of Higher Education. Technical production was by Connor Bowers and Dale Willis for Honest Crow Studios. For more information, you can find us online at avondale.edu.au.